When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. And welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and the continued celebration of my birthday month, the best month of the year next to October. Thank you for clapping for me, sort of. Meg kind of did a clap and then she... It is next to October. (laughs) November is next to October. I'm so excited that you know the months. I do know the months. That took me a while, but I do know the months. (laughs) So we're continuing with a look at my longest running celebrity crush, and that is Mr. George Timothy Clooney. That's his middle name. That's why I said that. (laughs) I didn't just like give him that nickname. If you don't know who George Timothy Clooney is, which I don't know how you don't, but George Clooney was born on May 6th, 1961. And he's an American actor and filmmaker. He Clooney started his career in television in such things as Roseanne, Sisters, another show called <laughs> ER that was actually a comedy. And then he gained worldwide recognition for his role as Dr. Doug Ross on the NBC medical drama ER from 1994 to 1999 for which he received two Primetime Emmy Award nominations. During this time, he would also attract a variety of leading roles in films with his breakthrough role in From Dusk Till Dawn. He continued starring in films such as the superhero film Batman The nipples are not his fault, okay? <laughs> that wasn't his fault. That's the costume. That's <laughs> not his fault. He did the best he could with, a with very the nipples bad- <laughs> he was given. Yes. Yes. He, he, even, he makes fun of this all the time. It's not like he thinks this he was the best. We Batman haven't even introduced ourselves. That will always we're be jumping on you for besmirching any <laughs> George Clooney. I would wager to guess that I am the biggest Clooney fan on this panel. So <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I'm not. Maybe that's a lie. Uh um, and then, um, and Steven, he also starred in such films as Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight, David O. Russell's Three Kings, which it is, a, the reason I'm noting this one is George Clooney is one of the few people in Hollywood that actually flipping stands up to David O. Russell. He still says what a horrible man David O. Russell is. 
he got in a physical altercation and an argument with him on that set because of how awful David O. Russell was being to the crew. And he's like, you don't do that. And he still, to this day, will be like, I'll never work with that man again. So he deserves big kudos for that. So are you listening, our unofficial mascot, Christian Effing Bale? Please stop flipping working with this man. Are you listening, basically, everybody in Hollywood? <laughs> Please stop working with this man. And then, of course, the Coen Brothers, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And he's done a few movies for the Coen Brothers, including Burn After Reading. But I think the biggest thing, you know, because there was a time when Clooney's career was basically, he's talked about that, it was almost over. And then, um, you know, Perfect Storm was one of those that kind of changed it. But also, I think Ocean's Eleven, which became a very successful trilogy, really changed things for him as far as turning him into a mega movie star. He has also directed things. Um, he has also won and been nominated for quite a few awards. He has won for producing Argo. He has been nominated for Best Performance by an Actor in The Descendants. He was nominated for directing Good Night and Good Luck, nominated for the screenplay also for Good Night and Good Luck. He won for his performance uh, in a supporting role in the movie Syriana. He was also nominated for what I think is one of his absolute best roles, and that is in Michael Clayton, uh, the last few minutes of that movie, or the last minute when he's just in the taxi ride and the camera's on his face. Absolutely brilliant. Probably his best minute ever on screen, honestly, with acting wise. Um, he was also nominated for Up in the Air. He was nominated for the screenplay for Eyes of March. So he's been nominated for a lot of things, a lot of different awards. Uh, so this should be a lot of fun to just dive into the varied career of Mr. George Clooney. Talk about some of our favorites. Maybe even talk about some of our least favorites. I don't know. I didn't put that on here. So we probably will not be doing that. They don't exist. <laughs> you don't have a least favorite, Aaron. Everybody exists. <laughs> but I do want to note, Carla was supposed to be here too. This was supposed to be a sexy ladies recording. Unfortunately, she could not make it, sadly. But a lot of different ways we're going to refer to his time, his career, <laughs> and his filmography we're going to break it up into periods, and it's going to be a lot associated with certain things that Carla helped come up with. So that's our shout out to Carla. But before we dive into Mr. George Timothy Clooney, I just love being able to say Timothy Clooney. I don't know why. I'm going to go around and ask my amazing panel what they're into right now in pop culture. And we are reversing this, right? Yep. Still, we're reversing it. <laughs> Tiff doesn't seem to want it's like to reverse my claim it. to fame. Go no, on she doesn't. She doesn't so care. Right. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. literally my Every claim to fame. And now you're flipping the script on me. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. Fine. So, Tiff, what are you into in pop culture right now? Like this week, I watched absolutely nothing, which is, uh, yeah, a thing. <laughs> <When you have them. laughs> two kids apparently <laughs> and one of which is a toddler who takes up all your time and has decided to be the most irritating child on the planet right now but i do look forward uh to watching enola holmes 2 because that the first one was a lot of fun 
Um, I know people are like, oh, Henry Cavill is, you know, Sherlock Holmes. That doesn't make sense. But he, like I said before, and I mentioned um, the first Enola Holmes, it's not about him. It's about Millie Millie Bobby Brown as Enola. So she was very like bubbly and effervescent and very smart. So I'm looking forward to watching the second one. Very much so. Awesome. I still have not watched the first one. (laughs) You would like it. You would like it. It doesn't take itself too seriously, which I, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I'll have to at some point, you know, I'll add it to my long list. Hey, who knows? Maybe someday we'll cover it on the podcast. It'll, by then it'll be Enola Holmes, like 12. <laughs> 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 Millie Bobby Brown will be <laughs> using a cane. <laughs> yep, exactly. That, that's what it um, so, Meg, what are you into? Um, much like Tiff, I have not been watching very much TV. It's been Halloween. It's been kids' birthdays. Both my kids' birthdays are this week, actually. So there's not been a ton of TV watching going on in the house, and I've been trying to like read more so my brain doesn't turn entirely to mush. Um, but I have been watching Love is Blind. This garbage heap of a show that I cannot stop. I don't like reality shows. I don't watch The Bachelor or any of that stuff. Um, but my two like trash shows that I watch like that are Love is Blind and Married at First Sight. Because apparently if, if I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go hard and you guys have to get married <laughs> for me to feel like there's anything worth watching. So... I don't know. It, they're just, they're all insufferable. Like, I think I may be like one of the the cast in Love is Blind, but just watching them all be awful to each other for some reason is just, it's hitting that spot for me right now. Perfect for the holiday season. <sighs> yes, there you go. The there joy. Go. Yes. I just don't have to, yes. I just don't have to think about it, I think is what the main thing is, is I can turn yeah. my brain off and be like, well, at least I'm not this person like background exactly yeah Yeah, i haven't watched um the rest of the new season because this is one that i actually watch as that and i remember on one of our what we are into episodes i believe it was that i revealed this and i will never forget meg's reaction to that because she did not expect that i was so excited (laughs) and i will tell you bartice i know the way to get your woman to fall in love with you is to stop talking about another woman and how attractive you find this other woman shut up you and what the hell is his name like cody or cole or whatever whoever stop stop telling your fiancés that how hot you are for other people men are trash that's all yeah i'm done yes (laughs) men are trash (laughs) except my except my husband and i get it you know there's a couple and Entiff's husband and George Timothy Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney. You know what? George Clooney set my standards unreasonably high. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair for him to be a silver fox at this stage, but we'll talk about it. It's later. not. It's not. And I will yes. I will tell you a story of what me which me like killed my crush on George Clooney later. Okay. What I'm into is something I'm recommending, but with a big huge caveat that I'm gonna put here. Uh, so there is. this has been an amazing, outstanding year for horror. Absolutely phenomenal year for horror. And 
adding to that list is the movie Terrifier 2, which if anyone's heard about this movie, it's a little small independent sequel was made for like 200, 300,000, something like that. It's on track to earn $10 million. Okay. This is a little, little, little film. And it happened to have been released in main theaters. There was this big thing where people were supposedly throwing up and fainting and all this stuff from watching it. <laughs> I just love watching Tiff's face while I'm describing this. And so it's now it's streaming on Screenbox, which is kind of like Shudder. It's like another horror um, streaming service. And you can get Screenbox is actually pretty cheap. They have different varying plans of how you – we're not sponsored by them, by the way. I'm just saying they have different varied plans. So it can be $4.99 a month. You can play – like I think it's $11.99 for like three months or six months or something. Or you can play yearly for like $33. So I decided I would go ahead and risk it and watch this movie. And let me tell you, <laughs> wow, this is like – a lot, okay? This is like a slasher movie times a million. The gore in this movie is so over the top and the kills are so over the top that even though it's really creepy because there's a creepy clown, Art the Clown, he's the villain, it's still, you're like, <laughs> Tiff's shaking her head. You're still like, there is no way this person would still be alive, yet they still are as he continues to do horrible things to them. Um, but it's actually really good. And I think the reason it's so good is it doesn't ever feel like I heard someone compare it to torture porn. To me, this is nowhere near torture porn because it doesn't seem to be necessarily getting off on the violence. Um, it also has an amazing, amazing final girl, Sienna. And David Hort Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, is so damn good. He like studied mime work and it pays off because this character doesn't say anything, but he's actually kind of funny in a way. And he does like, all these, it's it's like kind of like Freddy Krueger if Freddy Krueger didn't speak in a way, but it is extreme. So if you are a casual horror fan, I would not recommend watching this. But if you love horror and you can handle extreme gore, I would definitely, definitely recommend this. And I want to add a funny little thing. They decided, because the film has been so successful as a joke, because this is produced by Bloody Disgusting. And they decided they were going to submit this for Oscar consideration because they want the snobby Oscar voters to have to sit there and watch this movie. And I love that. So there's even a hashtag. There's a Twitter account that we follow each other. And it's, you know, Oscars for art. So um, so I just love that. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Just sitting there thinking about these Oscar voters having to sit there and watch this movie. Really tickles me because horror doesn't get the respect it deserves. And so I just love that. <laughs> and I loved watching Tiff's face during that. As soon as you <laughs> said clown, I was I was out. I was out. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank was you. Just, Not for I me. Done. <laughs> I left the room. <laughs> I know it's definitely not for Meg. This is like the furthest thing from something for Meg that you could possibly get. I mean, but that's amazing <laughs> that it made like 33 times its budget. That is insanity that is that does not happen i know like at all wow i know it's it's incredible it's absolutely it's 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 like an incredible story so it's just i mean i'm hoping it opens the door for a lot more indie horror filmmakers and stuff like that because that's amazing that's just like unheard of so it's it's pretty incredible so yeah but once again remember Heed the warnings. And I think art is 10 times scarier than Pennywise, by the way. So. No, I'm definitely not watching <laughs> it. 
<laughs> I wouldn't know. I've never seen it. Meg is like, I've never seen it. So <laughs> I'm going to take your word Although- for it and never verify it. Not even look to pretend. Clowns are awful. Um, and movies about killer clowns are so much worse. They don't have to be killers to be scary, okay? They just have to exist. They just have to be in the world. Do you remember when there was that fad or whatever of, like, clowns just randomly around not, not yes guys, if you're listening when clowns you were just popping out like cool. down the sidewalk no no <laughs> yeah dri- driving down a country road and then there's just a clown this is Absolutely how people not. die i would have run i would have like steered into it like <laughs> ice <laughs> and then what then i had to go to jail for vehicular manslaughter because you decided to be an idiot and dress up like a clown in the middle of the night no thank you um okay (laughs) well speaking of someone who i don't think george Clooney has ever played a clown but he has appeared in some horror films early on in his career and and later on too so we're gonna get into george Clooney now so first what i want to know tiff is what role or television show or film what turned you into a Clooney fan well i did watch i started watching er from season one so you know dr doug ross dr ross was was my guy even if he did treat nurse carol like absolute (laughs) which made him not my guy but i loved er that was that was the show i shared with my mom we would that was my late night when we would stay up and we would watch it you know because it came on at 10 o'clock and she's like oh you need to go to bed i'm like nope 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 we gotta watch er so (laughs) um so definitely the er piece but as you mentioned his first big movie role was from dust till dawn and he like i mean okay aaron knows you know we share a lot of the same opinions about movies and Movies about vampires are kind of our jam. And George Clooney playing a renegade bad boy. So hot. So hot. That tattoo. You know, that was the start of that was like the start of the Caesar cut. That was the <laughs> George Clooney was like the originator of the Caesar cut, along with John B. <laughs> but <laughs> but um you know, the, the fake tattoo up the neck. And I know that was, you know, Aaron's mentioned it before the, the giant poster that she had on her wall of George Clooney with a tattoo. But that movie was because he's so he's so his humor is so dry and mm-hmm. he's very sardonic and he just know, but he knows he's like the baddest thing in the room. But he's not over. The, he's not over the top with it. You never feel like he is so um, like he's a narcissist about it that's why i love that movie so much it's it's incredibly cheesy but from dust till dawn <laughs> and er are like those are my george clooney jams like his for his early work those are my george clooney jams yes and it wasn't even it wasn't even just a poster it was like one of those stand-up thing those stand-up things you know that are like 3D <laughs> almost. and it was in my bedroom and it was pointed at my bed and he was holding that gun <laughs> pointing basically at me <laughs> And I don't know why, but that was the sexiest thing in the world. Like, yes, especially because that neck tattoo is the fucking sexiest <laughs> thing in the whole entire world. That's one of the sexiest tattoos I have ever seen. And I wish to God that was a real thing. 
Oh, and remember though when he but... took his shirt off though, and it wasn't just the neck; it went like all the way down. Oh, oh yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. yes, I do. Well, this is one of the, this is one of the horror movies I've seen actually. <laughs> yes. yes, so I remember the shirtless scene. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. What was it that made you a George Clooney fan? Um, I loved ER. I'm sorry, I, Dr. Doug. I love like he did the head tilt. You know, he was just like he was so like he's just he's so boyishly charming even now even still that's just he's got something about him that he just lets your guard down and it's it's endearing it's it's infuriating in a lot of ways and really sexy and i love all of that so i loved him on er i was i was a wee babe when er started i was 10 so i actually would like kind of have to sneak and watch or watch reruns and stuff like that but i did i did love him in that and that's actually why the only reason i rented because i rented it i didn't i didn't go see it in the theater because i was 12 when from dust till dawn came out so i rented it and i did not know what it was about i just knew that george clooney (laughs) was in it and he looked really hot. I had a massive crush on him. And I rented it. <laughs> this actually, it's a fun story. This was what made my dad change my rental abilities at the video store. <laughs> <laughs> because I rented from, I was 12. I rented from Dust Till Dawn and Showgirls. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and my dad Full stop said, no, I couldn't watch Showgirls. He's like, I don't even need to see anything to know that you can't watch this. But he made me let him watch From Dust Till Dawn before he would tell me if I could watch it or not. And he watched it and he said I couldn't, which made me only want to watch it more. So I like snuck it into a different VHS VHS case and went to a friend's house and watched it and was scared out of my mind. And then I watched it again. And again, this is, like I said, one of the only horror movies that I really really love and i think it sparked what how much i love vampire movies if i like that's the only kind of horror i can watch um i but i got grounded for a month because of course my dad found out and i got in so much trouble he didn't care about the vampires there was a particular scene that he thought was horrifying and completely inappropriate but it had nothing to do with vampires but that's really when i when i kind of fell in love with george Clooney, and then i watched from uh, after From Dust Till Dawn, One Fine Day. Oh gosh, it, it, which, yeah, like we were talking about before we started. Oh such my a gosh, flip. I, love that movie. <laughs> I love One Fine Day so much. And like I, I was telling Aaron before we started recording, as I'm older and now I watch it, I'm like they're really hard on Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. Like, yeah, she's they make her out to be such an you know retentive be and he's just like i don't care about anything oh i have a child whatever and it's charming and i hate it i love it i still love it i don't care but no i i absolutely loved an er and i actually caught up on er just to watch when they did the the reunion or whatever yeah Mm -hmm. in 2009 carol left yeah yeah i did the whole shebang can i just mention one thing about him that I do really love is that he works with actresses that are his peers. Like, yeah, his love interests are never 30 years younger than him. But, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah. I mean, because I was thinking about like one fine day, he and Michelle Pfeiffer, they are peers. They are, li- right. she's a little older than him, actually. 
So mm-hmm. I love that. I love that for him. I love that he's working with mature women and not women who can be his daughter. That's yeah. fantastic. Good on you. And when he does work with women who could be his daughter, they generally play, they never play love, a love interest for him. Yeah. Like I, I think, yeah. Like in yeah. Up in the Air. Up in the Air. That very easily could have been that that would have been the love interest, but it yeah. isn't. It's Vera Farmiga's character. So it's like, yeah, it's the same. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. They they could have done that with, um, gosh, why can't I think of her name? Anna. I know. I couldn't either. Anna, Anna Kendrick. Some... Thank, Thank you. Kendrick. Anna Thank Kendrick. you. I was this like, was her Anna. breakout role. Anna, 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 yeah. Anna Banana, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Aaron was saying, that could easily have been his love interest, and they never, ever even hint to it. There's no hint of impropriety. He is literally her mentor that entire movie, and you know, there's not even almost like I mean, he puts her at like a distance. I don't know. We'll talk about it later. So I'll stop. Yeah, but no, no, I agree. It's it was one of those things where when you're watching it, you are thinking that's going to happen and it doesn't. So it's, it is a, that's, that's a big joy in that one. Yeah. Which we will talk about. And I'm really excited to watch ticket to paradise. I think that looks him and Julia Roberts. Yeah. Uh, Well, this is why I say I am the biggest Clooney fan on here. I have loved George Clooney since facts of life. I I was one. (laughs) That's how long I have loved. I I was one years old in that movie. I was really young. I was really young. (laughs) But I loved him. And I always had this weird thought in my head. And I've heard other people say this, too. I always thought that his character, like, was a love interest for Joe, for the character Joe. And it never, and I've gone back and I've watched it. And I'm like, he never was a love interest for Joe. Where the hell did I get that from? I don't know. (laughs) But it was in my head. And I've talked to other people that thought the same thing. So I don't know how we all had this weird kind of moment where we all thought this was a thing that happened. And then, of course, I loved him in the show Sisters. Falconer was an amazing character. I loved that show. And then ER really was the one that really tipped me even further over the George Clooney edge thing. And it was like something with the character of Doug Ross, who is like this playboy. And he's kind of funny, but he's really sweet and good with kids and that kind of thing. And I, even though he wasn't always the nicest to her, I did ship Carol and Doug like mm-hmm. big time. When they got together, oh my gosh, I was so happy. I remember I had recorded it on VHS and I rewound the scene with <laughs> When she was on the date and he's waiting there because I was rewatching it the other day and, and it still made me go, oh, I loved this couple together. I just loved them together. So that was the one that tipped me over. And of course, I mean, I've already mentioned From Dust Till Dawn and One Fine Day, and we'll get into it later. But uh, the sexiest love scene, I think, ever on film. In Batman and Robin? Out of Sight. In Batman and Robin. (laughs) With the nipples. Out of Sight. With the nipples. How can can it not be sexy when you have a bat suit? Disparage the nipples. (laughs) How dare you? Oh, man. Anyway. They were acting their hearts out. Acting the nipples, the nipples were doing their yeah. the hard work. They were yeah. hard and doing their hard work. Just thinking, <laughs> I just want to know what the thought process was in in the nipple placement. Like we need to make sure that he that we everyone knows that he has nipples. We are not being in, anatomically incorrect. It was. I think it was just let's go as cheesy as we possibly can, and we'll go. And so then you know, then we went. Really, the 
opposite of that with the best Batman ever, our unofficial mascot, Christian Effing Bale. No arguments about that. <laughs> we all, <laughs> Tiff, I don't want to hear your argument. <laughs> Tiff's 100% Adam <laughs> West. <laughs> She's Val Kilmer. I love Val Kilmer as Batman. I'm not Val Kilmer. I, I am the, I'm the original. I go with Michael Keaton. Adam West is Adam West is the original. No, that's true. No, no, he is. Yes. Okay, fine. I I go with the second one then. Fine. (laughs) Michael Keaton is a fantastic (laughs) Batman. We should do a Batman episode where it's all about all the Batmans. We did do a Batman episode. Well, I wasn't on it, so we should do another one. (laughs) (laughs) But it was only focused on um, Christian Bale. The dark. It was only focused on the Dark Knight trilogy. So. so you didn't do a Batman episode. You did a Dark Knight trilogy episode. There's a difference. Yes. There's like yes, 60 years of Batman. I know. I know. I know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyway, okay, so let's get back to George Clooney. So we're going to start with his early career, a.k.a. the head-bobbing days. This didn't necessarily end after this, but (laughs) that's what Carla helped come up with. And his early work, of course, started with, we've already said, Facts of Life. Um, He also was in an episode of The Golden Girls. He did a lot of TV. Uh, He was in Roseanne. Mm -hmm. He was in um, a show called Baby Talk. Which, did anyone ever hear about this show? I watched it. Um, not a good show. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, Sisters. Uh, he was also in the comedy horror film Return of the Killer Tom- Tomatoes. He was also in the horror film Retor- Return to Horror High. And also one that was recently released, and now I can't remember the name of it. It was like The Bear or something about a bear that, I don't know, they released it special <laughs> for people to see it. Nobody had ever heard it, seen it before. He was also in a short-lived ABC police drama called Sunset Beat. (laughs) (laughs) But then, of course, he rose to flame as Doug Ross in ER. And then he was in the movies From Dust Till Dawn, One Fine Day, The Peacemaker, Batman and Robin, um, Out of Sight, and Three Kings, of course. So these are kind of those earlier things. So I want to know, first of all, Tiff, what are your overall thoughts on his head bobbing days? The head bobbing days. I think he, it's also Caesar cut know, too, Caesar cut, right? Well, you know, he had the he had the flukes going on when he first started uh, on ER. You know, just this beautiful, like dark hair, but it was going slightly gray at the temples. It was starting to starting to lighten up a little bit or starting to look really nice, really kind of tilting into that silver fox type of deal. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. besides, you know, obviously I talked about ER, but besides that, and then from Dust Till Dawn, honestly, I think Three Kings is one of his finest performances. Um, It's one of those movies that kind of, for me, raises a little bit of a red flag because I dislike films that show the u.s military um because i think it's a lot of propaganda um uh, military ganda 
I guess, you know, the same thing with like, you know, any type of cop shows, it's a lot of copaganda, which I find it hard to like, I used to be hardcore Law and Order fan and I can barely force myself to watch any of the old episodes now um, because the copaganda is so strong. So same thing with films like that. And of course, Three Kings follows the um, invasion of Iraq, uh, Desert Storm. And you've got this troop who, um, this unit, who is trying to find this gold, f- stumbles upon it, and then, you know, runs into, like, Saddam <laughs> <to> Hussein's <laughs> supporters, and it just is a calamity of errors. But it's honestly, it's a really, really good movie. Um, it is. Spike Johns is excellent in it. I mean, like, he is really great in that. Uh, but Clooney mm-hmm. and, um, of course, uh, Ice Cube, Matt Damon, you know, it's just, a, it's, I mean, not Matt Damon, sorry, Mark Wahlberg. I was like, I Matt Damon was in that? Yeah, I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry, backing that up. <laughs> no. Slip of the tongue. <laughs> and I, I don't care for Mark Wahlberg. I don't. He is not one of my favorite people. But for some reason, I like like three of his movies. It's really ridiculous. I don't know what that's about. I know. Um, Probably because two of them are with Clooney, so... <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Two out of the three are with Clooney. Uh, but I just think it's one of his, you know, honestly, I might like Three Kings almost as much as I like from Dust Till Dawn, from the head bobbing days. That's, yeah, I have to say that. They're like neck and neck, neck and neck. Yes, I, Three Kings is an excellent, that, that's what's so aggravating about David O. Russell is he makes amazing films. Usually. And that's what's so, oh, aggravating. It's very frustrating. <laughs> it's incredibly frustrating it's so because frustrating. he is such a complete D-bag. He is such a complete D-bag yes. to anybody and everybody. It's like, why are you so freaking talented? I hate you. Exactly. It's it it's not fair. I, I t- it's really not fair. He should not have that talent. That should be somebody who's not as horrible as him. It's not anyway. awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Meg, your your overall thoughts on this um, I'm, time I'm period? I'm going to co-sign all of the Three Kings, um, and of course, of course, I said a lot of the stuff I was talking about with the last topic because for some reason I thought it was this one, talking about what turned me into a George Clooney fan. So other than what we talked about with From Dustle Dawn, One Fine Day, and I'm like I said, I'm co-signing everything with Three Kings. Out of Sight was is possibly one of the sexiest movies like ever mm-hmm. and it doesn't and it mm-hmm. doesn't rely on like nudity or or sex it doesn't rely on sex at all i think there's one scene in the movie where they get uh, they actually sleep together but otherwise it's just the chemistry between jennifer uh lopez i almost said jennifer love hewitt i would have made a much different movie <laughs> We're getting things all mixed up today. <laughs> Matt Damon is Mark Jennifer Wahlberg. Lo- Mark Wahlberg is Matt Damon. Jennifer Lopez is Jennifer Love Hewitt. This is all bad. <laughs> this is what happens when Chip goes Love Hewitt in this movie. No, no, see? You shouldn't have let me go first. See? No. Um, no, it's so sad. It, it's just, it's, and it's not even just the tub scene because I know that's what we all like pop into our head is that bathtub scene because that scene is so hot. But the whole movie is sexy. The whole movie has this very sensual feel to it. And 
even though he's technically a bad guy, like just because he's a bad guy doesn't make him a bad guy. But you're rooting for him and you're rooting for Jennifer Lopez. And and I just yeah. it it's it's such a good movie. It's one of my favorite George Clooney movies. And it's one that there's not a lot of stuff that if I am because I still have live TV guys, if I'm like flipping through channels, um, I'll stop. And I will watch it. It does not matter. There's not a lot of movies I will say that about, but that's probably one of my absolute favorites from this era of Clooney that One Fine Day we talked about from Dust Till Dawn. I'm going to throw out an honorable mention to The Thin Red Line, mostly because I was pretty obsessed with World War II movies for a while. And this and Saving Private Ryan were movies that were just I thought they were so good this unfortunately I feel like this got overshadowed by Saving Private Ryan so hard because Saving Private Ryan was just such a spectacular and realistic and gut-wrenching movie that I feel like a lot of people kind of forget about The Thin Red Line because it came out the same year Uh, but I just I really like it. And I and I agree, Tiff. It's real hard sometimes with military movies. I think that's why I stick to World War II movies so much and like them so much. And I'm like, you know what? We yes, let's do that. Like we're fighting Nazis. I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> These are some of my favorite eras for for George Clooney, those head bobbing days, but I fell in love with him in ER. I remember seeing him in Roseanne when I was a kid. But that's not really when I became a fan of his. I just saw him like, oh, he's cute. And then I like completely fell in love with him in er as much as my little 10 12 13 year old heart could take (laughs) like sneak watching it because i wasn't supposed to um another mention of the peacemaker it's been a really long time since i saw the peacemaker but it was i remember it being very good and i loved it so much they're all i love them all i love all the Clooney except the horror i forgot how good Thin Red Line was. It was really good. Everyone did. Yeah, but I know that the producers kicked themselves for releasing that the same year (laughs) and saving Private Ryan. I know they are kicking themselves. Had they done it the year before, the year after, it would have done so much better. I think it would have to have been the year before because the year after was We Were Soldiers, which was another really big hit. That was about, about Vietnam. Um, but I feel like Saving Private Ryan set a bar that has been it's been really, really difficult for any other war movie really to come anywhere close to. Like if you have veterans of that war sobbing in the theater because of how realistic it was. Yeah. Like good or bad. <laughs> like that's that's a bar. But yeah, the Thin Red Line was so good and so many people forget it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Uh well, I I love this period for for George Clooney. Um I agree with a lot of what what has been said. I won't add much to the Three Kings thing cuz I I ditto pretty much everything that that Tiff said on that because I do think that's a fantastic movie. Um you know, and with the war thing, yeah, I I agree stuff that does have to do with World War II is easier. And and also Vietnam in a way too because most Vietnam movies are criticizing military usually. So that's usually easier to take too, because they don't feel like propaganda. They feel more like, no, we were we're wrong. So those are usually easier to take too. But yeah, and and 
Out of Sight, for me, the sexiest scene in Out of Sight isn't the tub scene, even though that is sexy as hell. It's the scene where they are meeting for drinks and it cuts in between them talking and then their sex scene, which really isn't like this huge, their sex long, scene drawn is out the thing. Least sexy and part. they're just like sitting there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's their talk across from each other, having drinks, and it's this seduction scene mm-hmm. by both of them. Not just one of them, both of them. That's why it works so well. It's not that there isn't like this power dynamic mm-hmm. there because they both are on the same page there. And it's sexy as hell. The music, the way it's filmed. Steven Soderbergh is a really fantastic filmmaker. And I like their relationship together. They worked on a lot of films and television together as well. And I really like the way they work. Um, You'll notice that a lot with George Clooney is when he works with one person, he continues usually to work with them a lot with like Steven Soderbergh and uh, the Coen brothers. And he's done it with, with other people as well. It's kind of like he... Um, I think it's probably because he's probably just really easy to work with. And so he ends up keeping working with the same people because they want to just keep working with him too. And we already talked about From Dust Till Dawn, so I won't add too much more on that one either. And of course, One Fine Day. And, you know, I will say I've, I've given a hard time about the Batman thing, but I remember <laughs> when I was a huge Clooney fan, I was very excited about the Batman thing. Yeah. And I went and saw it and I, Batman, you know, I've said before and I understand why people have issues with Batman, but Batman is my favorite of all of the superhero universe. He just always has been just because I think with the exception of these, he's usually darker. It's usually a darker universe. So that's why I'm drawn to it. But yeah, so I, I, I mean, it was a horrible movie, but I will say at the time I actually found it kind of fun. I did. I did not care about Robin. I've never cared about that character, could care less about that character, didn't care about Batgirl. But it was fun to see um, George. And I thought Uma Thurman was actually really good in this. I actually like the character of Poison Ivy. So I thought that was fun, too. Um, But yes, watching him uh, through this period, you know, the one thing I will say, though, and and I, I, I love George Clooney. But rewatching ER, George Clooney does have some actor tips <laughs> that he relies on a lot. His head bobbing and his laughing. His laughing in ER, sometimes I'd be like, that's not necessary in this scene, is it, George? But it feels like kind of a tick. And I'm sure he'd be the first one to criticize himself. He's very self-deprecating. He has a very self-deprecating sense of humor, which is one of the things I love about him. But I was watching ER and I'm like, Man, you really did improve after this, but there were so many little ticks he did, and I still love ER. I was like, man, I forgot how great this show was in the early years, even though some of the characters, I'm like, oh, gosh, some of you now, I'm like, ugh, like, especially Carter. I was like, you are kind of an asshole. <laughs> That's the 90s, baby. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I remember fun little story about ER. Um, I went to LA during ER's heyday and during my really huge, huge George Clooney crush time, which has always been there, but this was when it was the biggest. And we went to the Warner Brothers lot and did a tour, hoping to see George Clooney, of course. But we did see Noah Wiley riding his little bicycle and he stopped and said, Hi. <laughs> So that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> it, oh, it wasn't George, was nice. but it was Noah. Yeah, and he was nice. He was like, "Hi." <laughs> so that that helped. That that was that was nice, and we got to see a portion of the set and stuff. So 
Okay. Well, we can, you know, I already said kind of the son of some of the Caesar cut days. We've already talked about ER. So the way we're going to do is talk about kind of like his established leading man era, his dash, the dashing leading man, a little bit of that and go into like his directorial debut and acclaim. So first we'll just talk about the dashing leading man <laughs> era is how it has, how Carla described it. And also it's described in Wikipedia as established leading man. So when he left ER, he starred in the film The Perfect Storm, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is a fantastic, fun movie to revisit. I was revisiting that. And I remember when I first saw it, I was like, wait, he can sing. That's not him singing. <laughs> He's a man of constant sorrow. Yes. And then, of course, Ocean's Eleven, where he was reunited with Soderbergh. And this is, of course, a remake. But this movie is fantastic. The sequels suck ass, but this movie is fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I think the sequels are absolutely god-awful. And then he also worked with Soderbergh again in another remake called Solaris. And then this was also the time where he made his directorial debut in one of my all-time favorite movies, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, about Chuck Barris. Um, he was also in Intolerable Cruelty, and lots of other roles. So, oh, I forgot to ask you all, sorry, from the last time, what was your favorite one, your favorite role from his early days? Just one, Tiff. See, you have some time, Meg. Just one. Just one. Just one. Because <laughs> of time. We can't. Just one. Three kings. Oh, she's so <laughs> she sad. You just have me sorry. <laughs> it's okay. George will forgive you. So, <laughs> Meg. I wrote them down and everything so I wouldn't go crazy, but I have like five still. I have to go with Out of Sight. There, that just Maybe it's because I was 14 when it came out and it was a little bit of an awakening for me. It was so good. I forgot to talk yeah. about the trunk scene. That was so hot, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very, very hot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I was going to go with Out of Sight, but I'll go with From Dust Till Dawn. So we all select something. Different. I agree with so your guys' favorites, too, by the go. way. They were in my list. <laughs> yes, I thought that's it. I circumvented the rules. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I want to know, Tiff, what are your thoughts on this period? So the first initial period after ER. Okay. I'm kind of obsessed, even to this day, with like disaster films, tsunamis, hurricanes. Tornadoes, earthquakes, sunken ships, all of that. So the perfect storm is like right up my alley. <laughs> it's ticking off all the boxes for me. It's Look, the perfect it, storm of a movie. It, it really is. Perfect storm of a movie. Little itty bitty fishing boat, you know, in a big old Atlantic Ocean, way, way out in the middle of nowhere. You know, the old timer in the bar, he's like, they're like, what do you remember about it? And he's like, big fish, big weather. <laughs> you know, that's all he says. <laughs> he's like, lots of weather. <laughs> and it's funny because there's that one scene where they they make it over like the waves. They make it over one. You know, this is when the actual storm has started and they make it up and they're so happy. And he's got this... He's got his eyebrows are up and his face is just lit up. And then he sees 
the next like this monster wave coming from the distance and the changes in his face are so minute but so powerful you can feel the dread you can feel his fear but he knows he can't show it to his crew you know and then you see him like doing the <laughs> the the steering you don't call it a steering wheel what do you call it <laughs> what, what is what it is called i don't boat. know what it's <laughs> the, the helm i can't helm, remember right now. The helm? Okay. So you see him. He he's so. getting it going. He's he's turning it as hard as he can, you know, like harder port, harder stern, something, you know, and he like guns it. <laughs> and it's, it's like a really tension-filled moment. And his face during that time is just so awesome. It is so awesome. It's one of my I won't say it's one of my favorite movies, but it's one of my favorite performances of him in a movie just from his facial expressions he's um he's really he's really dynamic in a really quiet way you know he's like this it's kind of like reminds me of this like old school fisherman but he's not he's not old you know he's been on the water forever because that's what they do they go out with their dads and their granddads and stuff like that when they're like 10 11 so he's been on the water forever but he's not old he's like probably in his like early 40s so Awesome, awesome performance by him. And the movie's not half bad. Like when it comes on, I too still have live TV, Megan. And when it comes on, I'm like, oh, let me see. <laughs> let me stop and watch it real quick. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> yep. And Meg. Uh yeah, I I really like the Perfect Storm. I have a hard time watching it because it I <sighs> I am so weird when it comes to movies that are based on real events. Like some of them I will gobble up and some of them I think for me are just too heartbreaking to think about the reality of it. And that's one of them that's, it's, it's tougher for me. And I don't know why I don't have any big reason, Um, but I, this is one of my favorite. They're all my favorite George Clooney eras. Let's be honest, because it's true. I'm sorry. We have Ocean's Eleven, which is amazing. I'm sorry. It is so fun. I love and and so many movies try to replicate the feel of it and and the the vibe of a Soderbergh, mm-hmm. and none of them could do it. None. They all fell short. Like look at the Italian Job or anything like that. None of them are Ocean's Eleven. And I'm one of those people too, where if I like an original, I don't care how bad the sequels are, I will watch them and I will love them because I want to watch these characters continue. If I really love a story, I don't want it to end. I don't I always want to know what keeps happening with the characters. And and that's kind of what it is with Ocean's Eleven for me and the whole trilogy. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou Where Art Thou is one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm a Dapper Dan man woman. <laughs> I love this movie so much. It is so well made. It's so ridiculous. Ever they're just the whole thing. Like I, I love it. I'm sorry. I love it so much. The man of constant sorrow. I when I tell you, I listen to that that song over and over and over again, like a mm-hmm. goddamn fool. After this movie came out, doesn't matter. Me and my brother in law have performed the song as karaoke. Aww. <laughs> And we do the little like bouncing dance along with it because it's just it's it's one of my favorites. It's just such a it's it's ridiculous and it's so funny 
And I know there are people who don't like it. And I'm like, that just, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, you don't understand humor because it's just, it's so funny. I'm so, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. It's so funny. Um, so that's probably my favorite. I'm going to tell you, that's my favorite movie probably from this era. Um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. I remember really lo- loving it. I have not seen it in a very long time. My favorite was Spy Kids. Three. <laughs> no, see, this way uh, I can circumvent your one. I don't remember Solaris very well. I think I was kind of bored watching Solaris, if I'm being totally honest. But I was like 17 or 18 when it came out. So I don't think Solaris <laughs> really, didn't really capture my attention. Yeah, felt- I will defend Solaris oh. until I'm and so, it, felt, <laughs> it felt a little pretentious. I know, I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> okay. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it with a ten foot pole. It was here. a great. It was a great movie. It just. It didn't make my I had top to say five because I do actually love it. I do actually love it. <laughs> but I, I know most people don't like that movie. I love it. I saw it on my birthday. It was my birthday movie with Solaris, but yeah, for for that year. But yes, I I love this period. I I you know, I will say I didn't rewatch it for this either. I've only seen The Perfect Storm like actually like once. I know. I I don't oops, I don't understand why either, but I have it's not that I don't like it cuz I do like it. Oh brother, where art thou? Was so so much fun. And I know this movie was kind of like a critical flop or whatever and critics didn't like this movie. I thought it was They're so wrong. so fantastic. The chemistry between all the actors is amazing. It's so flippin' funny. And, like, you know, the running gags and the running lines and everything. Like, the music is amazing. I listened to the soundtrack on repeat. It was, like, all I listened to during that time. (laughs) And I just – I loved it. It was so much fun, and it's still fun. I rewatched this one in preparation, and it still holds up. It's still a damn good movie. I really, really do love this one a lot. And I think into a toad. (laughs) (laughs) Everything about it, you know, and then we're in a tight spot. You just keep saying we're in a tight spot. We're in a tight spot over and over. (laughs) (laughs) And just the way I think it's like a play on the fact that he is the dashing leading man. But at the same time, he's kind of like he's never been afraid to look goofy and silly and funny and fall on his face and do like physical comedy so even though he's thought of as this dashing, handsome man, he also kind of, I don't know, he doesn't always feed into that, which I've always appreciated about him. So he's not afraid of making himself look like a fool. And I mean that in a good way, but he's just, he's not afraid of that at all. And I love that about him. Um, and then, and also I just think he works really good with the Coen brothers too. He fits in that universe really well. Uh, yes, I I too love Ocean's Eleven. I like the feel of it, the look of it, the the slickness. Uh, I love Danny Ocean. I love his chemistry with Julia Roberts. I think they have really, really good chemistry together. Um, I like the way he works off of everybody else. And I think, you know, George Clooney is a very, very giving actor. Like, he's not selfish at all. And he's there just to, you know, to help other people, too. Um, and I think other people raise the bar for him and he learns from other people and kind of just keeps trying to better himself a lot. Uh, and and like I said, I am serious. I love Solaris. I understand why people don't like it. I was 
kind of joking with the whole I will defend that till the but I do think it's a fantastic movie and I think he's really really good in that and the reason and I think it's a preview of stuff that he does later on where he gets away from having comedy be kind of like his crutch and being silly being his crutch and it's a lot more quiet and a contemplative role than you'd seen him do before and I just think it's a really good very emotional movie about you know human beings and us as human beings and stuff. I just, I, I love it a lot. And then I love, love, love Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Uh, a lot of that though has to do with Sam Rockwell and not necessarily George Clooney. Although I think, and we'll talk about his directing later, although I think he did a good job directing, but as far as like what it was that was the big takeaway was that was the movie that made me fall in love with Sam Rockwell as an actor. And he was so damn good in that movie that you know, that's where all my focus was. But I, I I love that one. I know people are mixed on that one, but I think it was really, really well done. And, you know, it was, I just think, a really interesting, interesting film um, to look at. And you could see how he had taken a lot of notes from a lot of the filmmakers that he worked with in the past as well. So, yeah. Okay, so you can only choose one again. What is your favorite role during this time, Tiff? Solaris. <laughs> sorry. I'm not going to argue with sorry. you over Solaris, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'll go I'll go perfect storm. I just think it's a it's an absolutely um outstanding performance by him. So, I'll go with that. But a close second would be um Ocean's 11 cuz he's he's so dang he's so dang smooth in that. He's just he's so great. He's slick. I love yes. it. Meg I did not get to mention, I will not go crazy. I really thought Intolerable, Intolerable Cruelty was cute. It's in this time. It's not a great movie. It's cute. It's exactly what you think it is. It's an early 2000s rom-com, which they're all, I love them all. Um, my favorite is Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. I just, I, I I love it. I quote it all the time still. It's it's fantastic. And a close second would, again, be Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I'm going to bring them all up. All of them. <laughs> Yes, I do agree with with everything that has been said, but I will just so that I can continue with my love of this movie and being one of the only the only people in the world who loves this movie. I'm going to say Solaris because it was such a different role for him. So, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, so now we're going to go more to the critical acclaim. And so basically 2005, basically we're just going to do 2005 and beyond for time wise kind of thing. And then we're going to do directorial thing. So this is the dashing leaning man, but it's also the silver fox era is what we'll also call it. So in 2005, Clooney starred in Syriana, which he won the Academy Award for. We'll talk about whether or not people agree with that too. You can mention that. Um, and that same year, he directed, produced, and starred in Good Night and Good Luck, which was very, very, very critically acclaimed, highly regarded. Uh, movie. It was nominated for a bunch of a bunch of awards. Um, he also was in the movie The Good German, which was also directed by Soderbergh. 
He also did in 2007, he was in the movie Michael Clayton. Um, 2007 was a really, really good year for film, by the way, except for this movie. Later that year, he directed the film Leatherheads. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think that movie is so bad. I love you, George, but oh my gosh. Um, and then there was the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats with Ewan McGregor, Jeff Bridges, and another person we won't mention. And then Up in the Air. Um, and then moving forward on down the line, there was, of course, The Descendants. Another one, another directorial project, Suburbicon, which we will, of course, talk about those a little bit separately. And, of course, he also did a historical miniseries in 2019, Catch-22. Uh, he did another science fiction film just last year, The Midnight Sky. Then there was The Tender Bar this past year, too, from uh, for Amazon Studios. And now he's reuniting with Julia Roberts in, in 2022 for Ticket to Paradise. So what are your overall thoughts on this whole huge chunk of time period here, Tiff? I think it's been, um, of course, there's been some ebb, there's been some flow. For him, but all actors go through that. I mean, we've seen it with Tom Hanks. You know, he's had a lot of top, top, top. And then there were a couple of misses in his career, you know, and he's had, I think, probably his career is like the standard for a lot of, you know, US male actors. Um, so, and I think that probably besides him, George Clooney is pretty comparable. To that, maybe not in as many, obviously he hasn't won as many Oscars, but in terms of the tenor of his career, he hasn't done as much comedy, but I think he's got as much critical acclaim as Tom Hanks has had in a lot of his films. But there's always going to be down years. Not every movie is going to be a hit. Not every movie is going to get that critical acclaim, but I've always felt like if your audience is loving it, then do you necessarily need air quotes, critical acclaim. We all know how mm -hmm. snobbish, you know, critics can be, especially the Academy. So you don't, if you have great audience review, I don't think it's always, it doesn't always have to go hand in hand with critical review, but I digress. Um, some of my favorites during this time period, Up in the Air, which I know we spoke about earlier because, you know, we were talking about the fact that he is always paired generally with really mature women as love interests in that film. He's, of course, his love interest is Vera Farmiga, another one who is one of his peers. They look great together. They, Aaron and I have a love affair with Vera Farmiga from Bates Motel. So She's fantastic. Much. She's awesome. Her face is chef's kiss. Her acting ability, magnifique. Another one that I really love um, is The Descendants. I think he's, he's got a lot of comedic moments in that, but it's such a sad film. It really is. It's a, it's just, it's a horrible situation. You know, obviously here's this dad uh, who thinks he had a, you know, a really solid marriage. And guess what? The wife was cheating on him like for the last two years and she's in a coma and pretty much brain dead. So the whole, the whole situation with that is heartbreaking, but he plays it so well. He does. He plays it so well. It's one of my favorite performances of his. Um, we spoke about, since we're going from 2005 on, Michael Clayton. Excellent. Excellent movie. I mean, the entire movie, the entire feel of movie, fantastic. One that we didn't talk about, The Ides of March. 
oh my gosh, I love that movie. Yeah. Yes. I love that movie so much. And I know we'll speak about it later because that's also a directorial, um, not debut, but a directorial effort by George Clooney. So I'll hold off on speaking at length about that. Gravity, which obviously is a Sandra Bullock vehicle, but trust me, George Clooney is definitely riding shotgun in that movie. He's in it for like 20 minutes, but they are a powerful 20 minutes. Um, I love that film. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. I'll watch it anytime it comes on. Uh, la, 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 and then I'll stop and give somebody else a chance <laughs> to talk. <laughs> I talk a lot. <laughs> Well, there's a lot to cover in this <laughs> for all of us, all of us. Yeah. So Meg. Oh gosh, there's so many. Like again, I mean, I'm I'm seconding seconding uh tip and a lot of this stuff, but I just I want to just take a minute and just appreciate the Cohen Brother movies that he's done in this period. Burn after yes. reading The Many Steric Goats, Hail Caesar. Like it, I love the Cohen Brothers, if you can't tell. I and it's and it's I'm not not great anymore at directors. There was a time where I was really into movies and I could talk at length with a lot more about a lot more of them. And now I'm just like, I like this movie. This sounds a lot like this movie. And then I find out it's the Cohen brothers. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> they are fantastic. They, they, they are, are fantastic. they are great. And I and I was joking about if you don't like Oh, brother, Arthur, you don't understand comedy, but I do know that the Coen brothers have a very specific kind of comedy and it just, it just gets, I get, it gets me. It's perfect for me. And I get that other people don't like him, but whatever. Um, The Eyes of March was so good. Yeah. I just, I don't know him and Ryan Gosling. I love the whole, I, I just love it. I like good suspenseful movies and stuff up in the air again was fantastic. Anna Kendrick's big break. They did such a good job. He is always so charming and wonderful. I don't have a whole lot to add as far as that goes. I'm going to talk. The Descendants was so surprising for me, not because of George Clooney, but because of Shailene Woodley, if I'm being perfectly honest. And he did Mm -hmm. such a good job. She was such a young actor at this time. And I only knew her from The Secret Life of the American Teenager which my sister and I jokingly watched together and like, hate, we hate watched this movie and mocked it constantly. And you would not know how good of an actor Shailene Woodley is from that show. And then we saw her in this and I was so focused on what an amazing job she was doing. And I think a lot of that too is George Clooney is such a great acting partner. And imagine how, yes. how comforting it would be to be so new fresh into like being launched with an a-list star like a general like capital a actor and have him kind of let you shine in a lot of it because she was fantastic and he was Mm -hmm. wonderful too but he i felt like he was muted isn't the right word because it has negative connotations but when it was her story as much as his and i think they he did a really good job i don't care what you say i love leatherheads things don't have to be good to be fun (laughs) no hey i like a lot of bad movies too it was not trying to be anything other than what it was um it's not even in my top 10 sports movies but i don't care it was like i had a big crush on john krasinski and george clooney Although George Clooney at this point had been ruined for me as like a uh, <laughs> like a crush because my husband's best friend 
kept pointing out how much he looked like my father-in-law and it ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) And that was that. Um, And the Monuments Men. I know not a lot of people like the Monuments Men and I get it. It was kind of a slower movie, but I find the real Monuments Men to be really interesting. And I enjoyed watching that. And I'm going to talk for a second about um, Good Night and Good Luck. I I mostly watched that movie because Robert Downey Jr. was in it. And I love Robert Downey Jr. so much. Um, and it's been a long time since I watched it. But I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved Edward R. Murrow. I loved the whole... I love the whole vibe of it and it felt very I don't know. I don't know. I've lost all train of thought now at this point because <laughs> I can't wait to watch Ticket to Paradise. Yeah, there is a lot to cover here, you know, and I of course I you know, some of my favorites from this time and then we'll get to the favorite role of course uh is of course Michael Clayton I think is amazing. I think his work in that is outstanding. Uh, in film, film school, actually, I analyzed a scene from Michael Clayton, and it's the scene where he's walking down the hall, and then he sees the hall, the hill, and he sees those horses and walks up to the horses. And so I analyzed that for the way that was filmed, and it gave me such an even bigger appreciation for that movie and for the work he does in that role. And once again, just that last shot of him in the taxi as he's leaving and just every emotion playing across his face. That was outstanding work. And that was also the work of an actor who's grown so much and changed so much and got rid of a lot of his tics that he had early on. And I just appreciate that about him, watching him grow through the years and his talent shine. And then I do agree on a lot of the movies mentioned as well. I will uh, point out a movie that nobody ever talks about, but I actually really love And that's the American. And I love that because I think he is so damn good in that movie. And he is so damn sexy in that movie. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. His working out scene when he's doing like the pull-ups. And he, oh, my. There's some good eye candy in that. Holy. (laughs) I think that is. Not for me. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not for Meg. But all Meg sees his father-in-law. All I see is my husband's yeah. dad. And I'm like, wait a minute, my husband looks like his dad. <laughs> all I see is that, oh my gosh, that's just that he's so sexy in that movie. And nobody ever talks about that movie. Of course, it was kind of failed, but whatever. And then, of course, Love Up in the Air, as everyone has mentioned. And, um, I, you know, Vera Farmiga, we'll have to do an episode on just her sometime because I love that woman. Oh, God, I love that woman so much. <laughs> I, I would watch her do anything, anything. I will watch her in anything. And, you know, I would have never really paired them before, like paired George Clooney and her together for some reason. And then watching them together was just their chemistry was so uh, palpable. And that's the thing with George is he tends to have chemistry with almost everybody he's working with, whether it be friendship chemistry, um, coworker chemistry, anything like that, father, daughter chemistry, stuff like that. And I do echo with the descendants. I was rewatching that for this and cause I hadn't watched it in a while. And I love that movie and I love his performance in that movie. And yes, Shailene Woodley is absolutely fantastic too. 
And I love the last scene of that movie. And that movie is so quiet and understated. And I love quiet and understated movies. And so I just, I thought that was, that was fantastic. And it was nice to see him in kind of that fatherly role. We, I mean, we saw it in One Fine Day, of course, but we hadn't seen too much of the fatherly role with him. And I really liked that as well. And then um, I'll get into more of uh, Good Night and Good Luck when we talk about directing and the Ides of March when we talk about directing as well. So, yes. So I want to know then, Tiff, I know this is hard. Oh, oh, oh. And I want to add, I did, I love the the men who stare at goats. And I know people didn't like it. Screw them. I thought that movie was fantastic. <laughs> they don't know comedy is what it is. They don't understand. <laughs> I love that movie. And not just because of George. I, I love Ewan McGregor a lot in that movie, too. So, yes, yes. I love, love, love that movie. And and I do like Burn After Reading, too. So, so Tiff, what's your favorite role in this time period? Um, I know I wax poetic about Gravity, but I think that's more of a Sandra Bullock movie than it is a George Clooney movie. So I will push that one to the side, even though it's like probably one of my top five films of all time. So I'm going to go with The Descendants because I think he knew exactly how to play that role. Um, He knew how to be a father who didn't know all, who didn't have all of the answers for his kids, who didn't know what to do with what happened, you know, with his wife's infidelity. And then finding out that his wife's best friend knew about it and felt like almost co-signed it, you know, at that time. It's like, how does, how deep, because she's supposed to be his friend too. How deep does the betrayal Mm -hmm. actually go? How do I reconcile this, you know, this friendship with how I was treated? I think it's an absolutely stellar performance. I really do. I think it's outstanding. He knew how to let Shailene Woodley shine. Um, I have a tendency not to really like her in a lot of stuff um, because I think she is sometimes filled with a sense of self importance, (laughs) but, but I actually think she really works in this um, and she really works well. So I think she needs to get back to that. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, the descendants is it for me for this Clooney time period. Yeah, it's, I think it's that, like, self-righteousness that can come across. Like, she, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Meg? I'm not going to have anywhere near as much poetic to wax about it. Um, I am going to agree, though, with the Descendants. But I'm going to say, just to say something different, I'm going to say up in the air. Um, I think it does such a good job. It's such, it's a, it's a fun and poignant movie. And it's something that it hits all the right beats for me. I think the Descendants is, is, fantastic it's so but it is really really quiet and it is heartbreaking and up in the air is a bit more hopeful and a bit more fun i guess i'm gonna go with that one i'm gonna i'm gonna go i second all of both of those definitely but i'm gonna go with michael clayton so i just i think that's uh one of his best 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 performances i actually probably would in my opinion i I think it's actually his best performance Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so now let's talk about his directing, his work as a director, which is very mixed in a lot of people's eyes. So, of course, he started out with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. He did some directing on the show Unscripted, then Good Night and Good Luck, then Leatherheads, then The Ides of March, then The Monuments Men, Suburbicon, and then the show Catch-22, then The Midnight Sky from 2020, sorry, and then The Tender Bar was the last one from last year. And I actually have not seen that one. I meant to watch it for this, and I didn't, and... So shame on me. And I still haven't watched Midnight Sky either because I've heard so many horrible things about it that I just don't want to watch it. I don't want to look down on George. So Tiff, what are your thoughts about George, the director? I think he's pretty um, eclectic, which I do like. I don't find that he takes himself, you know, we've talked about how he doesn't take himself too seriously with a lot of his acting roles, but I think he um, picks and chooses his directorial efforts with the sense of purpose. Now, does it always work? No, but that's not necessarily a lot. That happens to a lot of directors. Not everything is going to be a home run. I mean, not that he's on the level of a Spielberg or a Soderbergh or anything like that, but everything that they've turned out hasn't been a hit either. So, you know, you have to give people the latitude to grow. He has had a lot of home runs. Good night and good luck has been was excellent. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was excellent. My favorite from his directorial um, efforts is the Ides of March. I've always said that the hardest thing for someone to do in that in any type of entertainment capacity is direct yourself. I think it is. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> how you wear two hats yeah. at the same time? It's one thing I think to produce. And act, you know, if you get that producer credit, because you're not necessarily doing that simultaneously, but trying to simultaneously direct yourself along with other people while acting. (laughs) How do you do it? You have to be talented to do that. And Mm -hmm. the Ides of March, when you have someone of his caliber playing against someone of Ryan Gosling's caliber, and yes, Ryan Gosling has caliber. I don't care what anybody says (laughs) i love ryan no i absolutely agree he's fantastic ryan gosling is oh just mm, 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 mm. my favorite ryan (laughs) my favorite hollywood ryan he's outstanding i wish uh i wish that he would work with george again because i think that could really really work um because i think he has the capability to be that uh have that leading man charisma uh, as well as George does. So I would love to see them in like some kind of mature buddy, buddy movie. But anyway, yeah, but Ides of March, my fave. My fave of his directorship. It wasn't time for that yet, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's okay, but you're fired now. So oh, God. You're docked 20 okay. points. You're docked oh. 20 points. I don't know what the points are for, but. So, Meg, without saying your favorite. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Totally. I did have it on the outline of that, so. <laughs> anyway, so, Meg, what are your overall thoughts? 
overall I've, I've enjoyed most of his his directorial stuff i always think it's interesting when actors have been acting for quite a long time and then they decide to take up the director's chair because you can really kind of see the pieces and bits that they've kind of glean from directors that they've worked with and i think you can kind of see that a little bit in georgia's stuff not that he doesn't have his own style but you can see influences i agree that he has some hits and misses but again he only has 12 directorial credits and we've only like two of them are in post-production so i think he's still a fairly new and young director so it's hard to kind of judge exactly what his style is i say that as he's been directing for 20 years but 20 years with 10 pro or 12 product projects under your belt is still, I feel like fairly young to me. Um, I agree with the Ides of March. I think that was great. Um, I loved good night and good luck. I just thought it was beautifully filmed. I thought he did a great job directing it. I thought it was wonderfully acted. And for me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's brought up so much nostalgia of missing that type of, newscast where it was one hour there weren't advertisers and it was the facts and it wasn't there was no bias to it i've always been a big i've always been really against 24-hour news network so watching this i was like yes this is what it should be you get your news and that's it like you the news didn't have to worry about viewership it didn't have to worry about ratings and numbers it didn't have to try and get the next the next get but that has doesn't have near as much to do about the directing but i i just thought it was really interesting i thought it was such a great choice to be in black and white and i i don't know i i loved it it's been a while since i've seen it because i have not had time to watch anything but i just yeah that's probably that's a great one leatherheads was a directorial masterpiece i don't care what anybody says <laughs> <laughs> The way they they were like, you know, football wasn't popular once. There was one time where it was just college football. That's it. Then we had to make a professional sport team. And aren't you all glad we did it? And the answer, though, is no. We're not. No, um, the Monuments Men again was another one I really enjoyed. I think it was an interesting and great take on a World War II movie that wasn't about fighting. Um, it was about the, and it's something that's still going on: the attempted recovery of all of the art and, and quote the treasures, I guess, that the Nazis took. And we still, there's still so much that's missing. So I always found that really interesting. And I enjoy watching movies about, I mean, I I like World War II movies. I don't know. I'm I'm basically a 60-year-old man at this point. I got my (laughs) World War II books. Let me talk to you about Storm in Normandy. Or Omaha Beach on D-Day. Um, but I appreciate movies that aren't so much about the fighting, but they're about all of the other fights that were had. And I think the Monuments one is something that people don't really know about. That There are people who were actively dedicated to finding these lost treasures, these, lo- these lost pieces of humanity, because we lost so much humanity in World War II. And I think that it's such an honorable thing. So I appreciate that. Um, I think he did a great job directing it also. I know in the lab, not a lot of people like the Monuments Men, but I don't care. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I have not seen The Midnight Sky either. 
not because I heard it was bad, but because it was came out in 2020 and there was a pandemic and I have kids and I just don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm le- now I'm wary of watching it now that Aaron's like, I'm not going to watch it. I heard it was bad. <laughs> I, yeah, I just haven't. I was I was planning on trying to do it for this one. and I just didn't. And then I was going to watch the tender bar for this one, too. And I just He's got a big old beard in the midnight sky, which I'm not mad about. Looks a yes. little scraggly though. He does have. I don't a mind beard. it. <laughs> I don't mind a beard. I, I'm not a huge fan of super scraggly beards. Like, take care of it. You know. Yeah. If it's a wildebeest on your face, then we have problems. Yeah. If you got food in it, I don't want it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't want. I don't yeah. want a snack later. You should be the snack. Oh, <laughs> beard food. Yeah, but I just think of. I mean, in my mind, I'm like. When you're leaning in for a kiss, <laughs> where's your mouth? Oh, I, I, oh, I was thinking food. No, I, was like, no, I have, but I have been, I've been around men who, like, I'm so grateful for the manscaping beard grooming culture that has happened because I have been around men. They have this funky thing on their face. And and I'm not gonna lie, the pictures make me feel like that's what George Clooney's beard in this movie would be. It's like smell like some musty, crusty stuff. Yeah, it doesn't really do I will say it doesn't do much I, for me. But... I bring a lot to this episode, you guys. Yeah. I mean it, it... I, musty crusty. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't you you can't write this right here. You can't write this. Yes. <laughs> you can't. Um, no. Yeah, but I I I'm interested to see what the his uh, confessions of a dangerous mind. The next one that's coming out uh, will be. Yeah. Um. Well, I think I think he's a really good director overall. I think what's interesting about George Clooney as a director is I think he's very much an actor's director, and I'm sure that's because he's an actor. But I think he's also worked with a lot of actors, directors. I think Steven Soderbergh is an actors, director. I think the Coen brothers are actors, directors. So I think he's taken a lot of notes from those and probably notes from experiences that didn't work so well. And he's used those and, um, you know, to turn into a director that you get a feeling probably is a great joy to work with as an actor and is very giving. And I, in, I think that comes through definitely like loud and clear pretty much. And I, of course, I've already spoken about confessions of a dangerous mind, so I won't speak too much more about that one. I do agree about good night and good luck. And to me, good night and good luck. And, and to an extent, confessions of a dangerous mind in a way, but not so much. I think good night and good luck is also a love letter to his dad as well, because his dad was in news and his dad instilled in him a lot of his values and a lot of why he does a lot of the um, charitable work he does as well. And, you know, his, when he won the AFI award um, a few years ago, George Clooney spoke about that, about how his parents basically instilled in him, you know, to be a good person, to be a conscientious person, to call out things and to speak on them and to speak about them. And, so I think this is also his way of doing that. George has done that forever. I mean, he did that also with like the paparazzi when he talked a lot about how invasive they were. And he would say, it's not because of me. It's because of the other things. You know, this was right around Princess Diana's death. So he's always spoke out. And of course, he's married to a woman who does amazing work, who's attorney, you know, with the UN and does all this amazing, incredible work 
who, you know, he married up, of course, <laughs> which I'm sure he would agree with that. So, <laughs> so yeah, so, so I think definitely that is also reflected in a lot of the directorial work he does, whether it's personal intimate stories, even if it's more comedic. I think he always has something in there also about the human condition and about humanity and about helping each other. And of course, politics, I mean, politics, big time, biggest, of course, in the eyes of March. And yeah, Ryan Gosling is one of the finest actors we have around. I mean, he's just amazing. He should have won an Academy Award for quite a few roles I can think of. I mean, he's just, he's, he's an incredible, incredible actor. And he also is a very good comedic actor. I know Tiff and I were talking about that not too long ago on Twitter. He's, he's got such great com- comedic timing. So he needs more roles like that as well, I think. But yeah, I'd love to see him work with George again, because I thought he was really, really good in that uh, in that movie. And I thought they worked really well together, too. Their scenes were really well done. And yeah, it's got to be very difficult, like you said, Tiff, to direct yourself. Because, yes, he's written some of this stuff, too. And so writing, I think, is also different, though. Because once you're, you've written the screenplay, that's like the blueprint. So you're handing it off to the director. So I think that would be a little bit easier. But when you're directing, you're there. You're like the, you know, movies, film is a director's medium. So you're like supposed to be doing that. And yet you're supposed to also be acting. So it's got to be hard to not maybe give yourself more takes or not be harder on yourself or easier on yourself or something like that. But I think he does a really good job with it. And I know a lot of times when he would do it, like, especially with Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, he did not want to be in that. But he was, that was how he got financing was, okay, I'll be in it in a little role. And so that's how what he did with a lot of uh, stuff that he directed early on too. So, yeah. But I I think this is I think this is where he feels most at home now. I know I've seen interviews with him, and he's kind of like, yeah, I don't want to do acting as much anymore, and I'd rather do this kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. Okay. Well, I know Tiff, you did say the Eyes of March is your favorite from his. Right for directing. So then, Meg, what's your favorite for directing? Um, I'm gonna go with Good Night and Good Luck. I mean, I think I talked a bit about why. I just think it's an excellent movie. I think he did a fantastic job. He took the news and made it interesting. And not to say that the news isn't interesting, but I know we all know how it feels. We all know that no one actually likes to watch the news, but he he did a good job, and I completely agree. It was a love letter. Um. I just, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite of his. That and Leatherhead. <laughs> I love how much you're defending that one. It's awesome. It's amazing. You thought you were going to defend Solaris. <laughs> Let me tell you. But Leatherhead. Leatherhead. Leather- <laughs> no. Like, it's not a good movie, but I don't care. I don't care. They don't have to be good. <laughs> I actually, I actually think it's kind of charming. I, I like it. I like it. I, I find it not... kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think it's goofy. I just I was. I remember being very grateful to the Leatherheads because it meant John Krasinski cut his hair, and I was a huge fan of The Office. Oh, yeah. And when he showed up in The Office with his haircut at the oh, end yeah. of season uh, three, I was very excited. So maybe that's part of it. <laughs> she looked like a mom <laughs> for so long. In the office. 
He did. It's very true. He did. Yes. Yes. I do. I do agree. I did like that. That haircut. Yes. Uh, well, mine is Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, just because I just love that movie. Someday we'll talk about Sam Rockwell and how he's so good. Sam Rockwell was my favorite. He's one of my favorite actors. And, you know, I'm disappointed, though, that like he started getting critical acclaim for playing all these redeemed racists. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, enough with that flipping tired old trope anyway. And he should have gotten that recognition for this, for Moon. Um, you know, especially, oh my gosh, his work in Moon is like whole, whole other level. Anyway. Say Sam Rockwell. We can talk about uh. Sam Rockwell <laughs> because he is also fantastic. I and he's a great dancer. He's a fun dancer to watch. I love watching. And for Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, go watch um, the extras and watch Sam Rockwell auditioning. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It's so good. It's so good. So that's that's. that's I could probably favorite. spend an hour just talking about him in <sighs> Galaxy Quest. If I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> yes i do love sam in that movie too yes i love like his like lesser like box of moonlight box of moonlight has anybody else ever seen box of moonlight mm -hmm. oh gosh he's so funny in that fantastic fantastic <laughs> little lesser known film with mr sam rockwell okay well now it's time i don't know if any of my other i know tiff tiff is like the best at this game ever and that's six degrees of it this one's actually so, it's pretty easy, but there are quite a few. <laughs> Jeff, I'm sorry. I'm going to be the guest that you never She's like going to smack me. <laughs> That's going to be my claim to fame is, is you being and last, except for tonight, on all of, your, <laughs> all of your podcasts. And then also never playing Six Degrees of Finn, Finn Whitrock because I have a pass because when Aaron comes to LA, we're going to That's see true. the play. So I will be one degree from <laughs> Finn Whitrock. So that gives me a pass for the rest of the time. Thank you. That's that's true. Yes, yes. Which and that play, uh, two twenty two, a ghost story, is getting really good reviews. So, so Meg, do you have a six degrees of Mister Finn? I do, and I didn't even have to cheat. You <laughs> so, didn't even have to cheat. Yeah. No, I mean Finn Whitworth was in La La Land with Ryan Gosling, who was in The Ides of March with George Clooney. Yes. See, look at that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh I have seen Finn Whitrock movies. <laughs> yeah, Finn Whitrock was also in an episode of ER. Um, so <laughs> there's also that too. But he yes, was. But what I, I I blame you though that I watched a preview and I saw his face for what the hell, like the luckiest girl luckiest or something girl like that. Yeah, and I saw his face and I was like, that's Finn Whitrock. And then I was like, God damn it. <laughs> no, I have succeeded if that is the case. My goal is to make everybody a Finn Whitrock fan. <laughs> I didn't say I was a fan. I just no, recognized you were his fan. face. You did say of him you were just fan. being an attractive white man. You did say you were a fan. When I edit this, you will say you were. I will edit it. You say I became a fan. It'll be like, I say I'm a fan. <laughs> or I'll just take a love and put it in there. I love Finn. This is going to be... This is this gonna be the next Harry Potter where I just refuse to become a fan. 
I know it was kind of like there was like a time period where I was like I was like I would feel this sense of dread or shame if I was about to mention Finn Wittrock and either you or Carla were on because I'm like oh I'm gonna get so much crap for this so I won't even mention it was like this little dread inside of me but now I don't feel that we felt the same no I'm just joking (laughs) (laughs) but I no longer feel that because Meg is now a big huge fan um, uh, Finn Whitrock. Massive. Yes. Massive. See, now I can cut that in there. So there you go. Uh- <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> Thanks, Meg. But the way I decided to connect Finn was, um, Brad Pitt, of course, was in Ocean's Eleven and was also in The Big Short. And I like using this one because whenever I use this one, I can also mention our unofficial mascot, Christian Effing Bale, who was also in a movie with Meg. <laughs> a true story <laughs> he was in a movie with true meg story. not meg was in a movie with christian christian was in a movie with yeah. meg <laughs> that's how he refers so to does it. that mean i'm so am i also two degrees from yes finn and you have then? used that the very first time we did six degrees of finn that's that and is what was true. so funny we recently did our birthday trivia for finn whitrock which we're going to do every year in october and i put together best of six degrees and every single one except for one was Meg's. <laughs> she wasn't even there. <laughs> was the other one the Dungeons and Daddies one? Yes, that was the one I ended yes! on. That's no longer my favorite. I'm sorry. It is no longer that my hurts. favorite. It's been usurped by one that, that Susie did that was actually fantastic. Tiff was there for that one. So, Susie's was, I mean, you. I'm sorry. It was incredible. I'm sorry. Susie's was, <laughs> that was pretty unbelievable. It that, was. That was I, yeah. I mean, I don't know how she she went into that rabbit hole, but it was, yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> that wasn't even a rabbit hole. That was like no. that was like the Mariana Trench. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me Susie is my new enemy. Oh. <laughs> She's your competition now. <laughs> Good to know. I will never do better than the Dungeons and Daddies episode. Yeah, that was that was pretty amazing too. So only because good. it but- annoyed you so much to keep talking about that podcast. <laughs> But it was also fun. I thought it was hilarious that you could. Oh, it was, yeah. That was hilarious to me uh, because it was a podcast and, uh, you know, I just thought that was funny. But if you would like to play the listener version of Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. Click on the page titled Six Degrees of Finn Whitrock and submit how Finn is connected to any Nightmare on Elm Street movie, any Friday the 13th movie, any Scream movie, and any Halloween movie in Six Degrees or Less for a chance to win some merch. And also, while you're there, George Clooney, head on over to our Contact Us page, reach out to me, and I will try my darndest to keep it together while I interview you. This is one of the interviews that I don't know how well I would do at. And I pride myself on my interview skills, but this one might be... No, I will do amazing at this. So, George Clooney... Reach out to us. We would love to speak with you. It would be an honor. It would be a distinct honor and pleasure, and it would probably be very entertaining. So thank you to Tiff and Meg and Meg and Tiff for joining me tonight (laughs) to talk about Mr. George Timothy Clooney. (laughs) It's been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for joining me as part of my birthday month. So we're going to go ahead and close out, and everyone can say where they can be found and where their podcast can be found 
So even though Tiff has started each one of those, since I said podcast, we'll start with Meg for the closeout. So where can okay. Bedwetter Behead be found? Uh, yeah, my, yeah, no one wants to find me. Um, George might. George might. George <laughs> Timothy. Timothy George Clooney. 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 The spam account will come and try and find me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Wisconsin Act. You can find my podcast, Bedwetter Behead. That I host with Carla, a frequent guest here on It's a Phantom Thing, where we take three fictional characters and play Fuck, Mary Kill with them. You can find us on Twitter at BedWedBeheadPod, on Instagram at Bed.Wed.Behead.Pod, and on other blue social media if you search for BedWed or BeheadPod. Awesome. Thank you. And then when is the George, when is the George Clooney episode coming that I'm going to be on? I do not know when the George Clooney episode is going to be on. We are taking November off because to just to honor Aaron's birthday month, we've decided <laughs> we cannot focus on our own podcast. Um, we have to be 100% here for Aaron <laughs> for all of her you. birthday needs. Definitely uh-huh. has nothing to do with my own children's birthday. I know. I know. <laughs> I am above everybody. I agree. <laughs> Thank you for taking the month off for me. Yes, but we'll be back in December for two weeks, so. Yes, well then, at some point, they will have me on to talk about George Clooney. So if George Clooney made a Christmas movie, we would have done it. But he yeah, hasn't made a Christmas movie. movie. Mm-hmm. Well, in January, maybe. February. Call, call Hallmark. <laughs> Get that man into a small Christmas town. <laughs> With so, a big city girlfriend. <laughs> so, Tiff. Where can they find you? Where can what? George find you? <laughs> All I can think about is, is George Timothy Clooney, like as the town's handyman. <laughs> <laughs> right? It would be <laughs> literally that's all I can think about right now. <laughs> With his high-powered former girlfriend, who's now an attic deck in like Chicago. <laughs> He's gonna, he's gonna make me like a bakery lady. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you can find me um, not particularly anymore on the Twitter now that it is owned by the evil mollusk um, at who is Tiff is me. I'm still getting notifications, so if you holler at me, I will answer. I'm not particularly on it, but I am because. I believe our good friend Carla mentioned Discord, or did one of you mention it? I'm trying to remember. Not I the don't know. general public. No, it was like, <laughs> no, we were trying to, the sexy ladies were trying to find a platform that we could yes. use in good conscience. And I believe one of you all said it. But anyway, so now I'm on Discord and I'm still at who is Tiff is me. And there's a number behind it, hashtag 3652. I don't know what that means, but. Hey, who is Tiff is me? I've got a shouting cat on the mountain as my avatar because for the rest of the year, I will be nothing but cats. So awesome. Thank you. And this is Aaron. For now, you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. 
And speaking of Discord, uh, we are going to eventually have a Discord room. I'm in the process of working on that. Paula's going to probably help me with that. Um, setting up like a separate room for people who are listeners to the podcast. And we'll set up, and I'm trying to figure out Discord. So we are on, on there. The podcast is, but I'm trying to figure it out because it is going to eventually be a place where I'm hoping listeners can communicate, become friends, whatever they can, um, you know, I will be monitoring it. So <laughs> um, they can also give feedback and that kind of stuff too. So look for more information about that coming soon, hoping to launch that in the new year. So we will see, because there's also going to be a change in the podcast in the new year as well. Don't worry. It's going to be a good one, I think. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod.com. And click the contact us button there. I'd love to start scheduling interviews for the new year. I've not been able to do interviews in a while. And I miss doing interviews. So I'm hoping to do more of them in the new year. So if you would like to be a potential guest, feel free to reach out to us that way. And on our next episode, and I already recorded this one, Paula joins me to talk about Val Kilmer. And it was a very interesting conversation. I really, really enjoyed that one a lot. And then as a reminder, the next week uh, of the 14th, we have no episodes. We're actually off, which is absolutely a miracle. And I'm trying to remind myself that that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's hard, but it's, it's, it's been but like I know it's okay. three years. So you can take a break. I know, but it's very hard for me to do that. So, um, but it's a good thing for me to do. But so we're off that week. And then the following week. We will be, speaking of David O. Russell, we are going to be talking about Silver Linings Playbook. Once again, as I've been reminding everybody, this will be the last time we talk about a David O. Russell film, probably, on this podcast, which means we are never going to talk about, we are probably never going to talk about American Hustle for Christian Bale Month. We just start. Um, but uh, we are going to talk about that. We will heavily criticize him, but that movie means a lot to me personally. And so even though I struggle with my feelings about that, that movie really, really meant a lot when it came out too. It came out at a very, very, very pivotal time in my life. So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to end it with other things that Aaron is into. <laughs> so other things I love. That's how I've titled it. And that right now is just Meg and Aaron A. And I want to prepare them, as I said in our Depeche Mode episode, I will probably just be talking about Depeche Mode. So you're just going to have to deal. <laughs> Depeche what? I'll mention other things, but it'll probably be Depeche Mode because I love I them should, so I much. I should listen to some. I've fallen back down my Depeche Mode rabbit hole. So um, I'm obsessed with Depeche Mode TikToks too. So tell, you know, just speak with Carla. Tell, she will tell you how many I've been sending to her. <laughs> she was on that episode with me, which is my one of my personal favorite episodes we've ever done. So because it meant a lot to me to be able to talk about a band that literally saved my life. Okay, so that's it. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.